This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Dancing You Yarns. You can find the link for Dancing You Yarns shop at nevernotknitting.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting podcast. everybody. Thanks for joining me for episode 19. And also thanks to all who have left comments or written me in the past few weeks. I always love to hear from you. It's so nice having such a supportive group of listeners. Thank you. I'd like to start off this episode with two brief podcast announcements. First off, I'm recording this episode a little early because on the 15th, when it's due to air, I will be out of town. Because of that, I am unable to announce episode 18's drawing winner, but I will announce it on the blog and on the Never Not Knitting Ravelry group just as soon as I get back. The second announcement that I'd like to make is that next episode, episode 20, will mark the end of season 2 of this podcast. As I've mentioned before, I will be taking a podcast break every 10 episodes. So after episode 20, I'll be taking a little bit of time off, and trust me, it's a good thing. Producing this podcast takes a lot of time, so it'll be good for me to take some time to regroup. I am now scheduling knitting stories for the next season, so contact me if you'd like to be included in an upcoming episode. So now, let's get on to the show. Since I last recorded, I've been diligently knitting on my Something Red sweater, and things are going quite well. I divided for the sleeves and I'm now knitting the body section of the sweater. I ended up dividing for the sleeves way earlier than the pattern said to. The pattern tells the knitter to keep increasing until the raglan seam measures 10 and a half inches and that's for the size 34. That seemed kind of like a lot to me. I measured my forecast sweater which also has raglan shoulders, and that seam measured less than 8 inches. It is very fitted. But still, that's a big difference. I decided to stop the raglan increasing on the something red sweater at about 8.5 inches, and I think that'll fit just perfectly. This sweater is supposed to have fitted sleeves, and as you know, it's not a great look having fitted sleeves with armholes that go down too far it just doesn't fit right and it's not flattering so hopefully i've fixed that problem i am really enjoying this project though it's simple and it's very relaxing and it's turning out nicely i love the fabric that the blue sky dyed cotton creates it's cozy and really soft and i cannot wait to wear the sweater Another strange thing about this project though is that the pattern says that I need six skeins to complete it. So now I've knit several inches past the armhole openings and I'm only on my second skein. Isn't that weird? I doubt I'll need all six to complete this thing. So besides the sweater, I've also started knitting another chicken friend for my daughter using the knit chickens pattern I was talking about last time. This time I'm knitting the medium-sized chicken because 
this chicken is going to be a male companion for the female chicken I just knit and I'm knitting him in white. I'm going to use the scraps from my first chicken to make polka dots. It's going to be pretty cute. My daughter is constantly asking me when this little chicken is going to be done and I can't tell if it's because she's desperate to play with him or if she just wants to help stuff him. With the last chicken, she was obsessed with the poly pellets I use. For those of you who don't know what they are, poly pellets are tiny plastic balls that you put into stuffed animals to weigh them down, kind of like a bean bag. I got them at Michael's, which is just a regular craft store. And for some reason, these poly pellets are a toddler magnet. Trust me on this. My daughter thinks that these things are just about the coolest thing ever. Let's just say it's been over two weeks ago that I brought them out and I'm still vacuuming them up. To the point where today when I ran the vacuum, the whole living room reeked of melted plastic. That can't be good. So I knit the base of the chicken and now I'm working up the sides around and around and around and around. Ugh. Unfortunately, I'm not enjoying this chicken as much as the previous one. First off, I'm never one to knit things twice. And secondly, the first chicken was striped with these fun bright colors and this one is solid and white and stuff. Not too exciting. So this kind of posed a problem for me. Two plain, not exciting projects at the same time. And they're both in the same yarn. Blue Sky Alpaca's organic dyed cotton. And I love that yarn, but still, it's kind of getting dull. The other night, the boredom just got to me, and I started something new. This isn't like me, I must say. This past year or so, I kind of just knit one or two things at the most at a time and, and just trudge on, even through the boring parts. But not the other night. I decided to cast on for the featherweight cardigan, designed by Hannah Fettig. I am really attracted to this concept of this pattern. It's a simple raglan cardigan, but it's knit with lace weight yarn on an oversized needle creating a really sheer light fabric. The pattern calls for Malabrigo lace, which is a wonderful yarn, but I decided to use some of my stash lace weight yarn. And what I have is thinner than the Malabrigo lace, and that will make it look more sheer than the cardigan in the photo. Have I mentioned how excited I am about using stashed lace weight yarn? For some crazy reason, I have tons of lace weight, and I've only knit one lace shawl to date, and that was about two years ago. Apparently, I think I'm going to knit 12 huge lace shawls for myself by looking at my stash. So it feels good to use some of it up. The yarn that I chose is called Surrey Elegance, and it's a really pretty, subtle, multicolored alpaca yarn. And the colors are kind of a creamy yellow, green, red, and blue. I 
that doesn't sound pretty, but the colors blend nicely. And I like it because the colors are kind of springy and I'm hoping that this colorway knit in a really sheer fabric will just turn out to be the perfect springtime layering piece. I'm thinking it'll look really ethereal and pretty. I've actually had this yarn for a couple of years now. It was given to me by a customer of the yarn shop I used to work for. She bought it for herself and decided it really wasn't her style, so I was super happy to get it. But I just never knew what project I wanted to make with it. It's 875 yards, so I felt like I had to pick out the perfect huge shawl, and that's kind of a hard job. So I'm really glad that I found this sweater because it'll use all the yardage, and I'm a lot more likely to wear a hand-knit sweater than a shawl. One lacy shawl that has been appealing to me lately is Ishbel by Ysolde Teague. I've just seen so many versions of it, and I think it's really cute, but that only uses 300 and something yards, and although I thought that that pattern would look good in this multicolored alpaca lace weight that I have, then I would be left with 500 yards, and then what would I do with it? Create another shawl using up the rest, and then have two shawls out of the same yarn? So if I do knit Ishbel, I'm going to choose something else. I'm glad that this featherweight cardigan is going to use all of the yardage that I have available. I hate having yarn left over from projects. The funny thing about using this yarn for this project, though, for me, is that I don't really knit with multicolored yarns, hardly ever. So an entire multicolored sweater does make me a little bit nervous, but since it's pretty subtle, I think I th I'm hoping it'll turn out nice. But in the beginning, when I first started, one row I would think, yeah, yeah, this is great. This is the best idea ever using this yarn. And then the very next row, I'd completely change my mind. Uh-oh. Oh no. Oh no, it's gross. It's gross. It's gross. I have to rip it out. But now that I see a few inches of the sweater, I've decided that I'm going to keep with it. I think it looks good. But I'll take pictures soon and post them up on my blog and you can check it out and tell me what you think of it. Despite the controversy though, I must say that this project was exactly what I needed. It really has broken up the cotton monotony for me, which is nice. Okay, I think it's time. Time for me to... Bring on the product reviews. This episode, I will be reviewing a knitting book, Ethnic Knitting Exploration, Lithuania, Iceland, and Ireland. This book is a 176-page softcover book written by Donna Drukunas. This is not a pattern book. It's a technique book, all about how to design your own knits using stitch and colorwork patterns from these three countries. Personally, I love how old of a craft knitting is, and I'm fascinated by traditional knitting techniques. 
So of course I was intrigued by all of the knitting history the author included about these countries, Lithuania, Iceland, and Ireland. For instance, I learned in chapter 3 that knit gloves played an important role in traditional Lithuanian culture. Okay, I know that this is kind of morbid, but I found this to be an interesting odd fact. The book relates on page 34 that in Lithuania, gloves were put on the hands of the dead. Women actually knit gloves in anticipation of their own funerals, and as well as the imminent funeral of loved ones. But on a lighter note, gloves were also used in wedding rituals. They were given as gifts to just about everybody. Wedding guests, family members, the servants. They were exchanged between the bride and groom themselves. They were placed on the shoulders of dancing partners and also the matchmaker as well as other people involved in the wedding, and people even gave gloves to the bride and groom as gifts. Okay, people, what's with the gloves? Seriously, here, kinda weird. But don't worry, there is more to this book than just interesting Lithuanian glove-giving facts. Besides providing the interesting knitting history, Donna gives examples of traditional designs from each country, and shows you how to incorporate them into your knitting projects. And this brings me to my favorite part of this book. This book shows you how to design your own sweater in four different styles, drop shoulder, raglan, yoke, and saddle shoulder sweaters. She tells you what you need and what to measure before you get started. And then you move forward to a planning worksheet where you plug in all of your measurements and numbers and then you have your instructions to knit a sweater just for you. It looks very detailed, but easy to follow at the same time. It's great design information to have for any knitter. If you want to add in an ethnic stitch design, or even if you just want to create a nice raglan pullover, say, that fits you well. That's why this especially interested me, since I've become more interested in design work in the recent months. So aside from the great design information, the book's first two chapters offer valuable tips, such as sizing info, yardage requirements, and just great basic information, um, such as seaming, short row techniques, measuring gauge swatches, decreasing, and even how to knit in the round using different methods. Tons of great info. And about the ethnic design sections. I enjoyed looking through the Lithuanian and Icelandic colorwork patterns, but I have to say, what really caught my attention was a chapter on Ireland. I have a bit of a growing fascination with Ireland and Aran cable patterns. I've not yet made anything in that style, but I'm always drawn to it when I see it in patterns. The author really simplified the Aran sweater experience for me in chapter 5. The book lays it out clearly. You first pick out which cable patterns you like, swatch them up, measure your swatches, and from there it's just about placement and making everything fit into your sweater measurements. I'd really like to give this a try someday. So if you're a beginning knitter, 
And sweater designing or even sweater knitting is not quite your thing quite yet? Don't worry, this book shows you how to design and incorporate ethnic stitch patterns into smaller projects, such as a poncho, capelet, or even a pair of fingerless mitts. My friend Audrey, for example, made a pair of fingerless mitts for herself using the guide in chapter 3, and I'll post a link to her blog in the show notes of this episode so that you can see how they turned out and also read her review. She has lots of great things to say on the subject. All in all, I found this book interesting and informative. I appreciated the historical information as well as the author's practical design approach. I also found it to be chock full of necessary, essential knitting advice. A good book all around. For those of you interested in the ethnic knitting exploration book, I have a new drawing to announce. All of you who leave a comment under the show notes for episode 19 will be entered to win a signed copy. You have until May 31st to enter the drawing. I'll be choosing a comment at random and announcing the winner on the next episode. This episode, I'm pleased to share another knitting story sent in by a listener of this podcast, Ellen, or Auntie on Ravelry, spelled A-U-N-T-E-A. Although the story is a little shorter than the stories that I usually share, I still found it to be very sweet. I'm sure you will too. So now I'd like to present Ellen's story, the story of... Mitting. I babysit for my friend's four-year-old boy Jay on occasion, and while he is busy playing restaurant with my pots and pans, or watching an educational video, I sit nearby with my knitting, keeping watch over this dear little loved one, having pretend cups of tea with pretend sugar, which I don't put in anything but pretend tea, and playing along with his wonderfully vivid imagination. One day he announced that he wanted to learn to do mitting. Yay! And I I've made him several hats and scarves and mittens, and somehow in his four-year-old vocabulary, Mittens and knitting combined into mitting. How adorable is that? He obviously had spent time thinking about this because he pulled his little boy-sized rocker knee-to-knee with me and was ready to go. Being a very hopeful grandma of two precious little girls, I was prepared with children's needles and spare yarn. I cast on a very few stitches for him and showed him how to put in the needle, wrap the yarn around, and pull it off. Each completed motion was given its appropriate, ta-da, great job, he was mitting. As is predicted, the process had its favorite motion, which of course was the wrap-it around, and so wrap-it around he did. He sat contentedly, and yes, we are talking about a four-year-old boy and using the word contented in the same sentence. He repeated, wrap-it around, wrap-it around, wrap it around for the next 15 minutes. Now let me tell you, knitting sisters, there was a whole lot of yarn wrapped around those short size 8 metal needles, but he was so happy and so proud of himself, and he was so excited to show his mommy his mitting when she came to pick him up, and she was appropriately proud of his accomplishments. 
It was definitely a successful babysitting afternoon, and I patted myself on the back as I went back to my mitting. Just like all of us, he was hooked, and begged his mommy every day to buy him his own set of mitting needles and yarn. My friend, who was a non-knitter, but an encouraging mommy, duly obliged, and bought him his own set. She even bought a little how-to book and tried to master enough to help this fledgling crafter. But alas, although she can make a violin sing, the knitting needles proved a mystery to her. After a few tries, Jay let Mommy know, I think we should wait for Auntie Ellie. You just don't know how to knit. Thank you, Ellen, for sharing that story with the podcast. A link to Ellen's Ravelry page will be included in the show notes of this episode. I really liked the story of knitting. It got me thinking about teaching my own daughter how to knit. And she'll be four next year, so maybe that's a good time. I'm really excited about that. If you listening have a knitting story that you'd like to contribute to the podcast, please email me. I'd love to hear from you. Again, the show notes for this episode and for all episodes of Never Not Knitting can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you'll also find the Never Not Knitting podcast listeners Ravelry group as well if you'd like to join that. And you can contact me there or email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a clicking. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Stop rubbing again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Nobody has clean laundry No pants, no shirts, no underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yard in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry even in the washer and dryer That's why She can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She just won't stop her stitching And the neighbors Say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. 
But she can't set down her project She says, just let me finish up this row She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad She just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had